Uh, was it just me, or did things get, just get kind of spooky there, you know, toward the end of that? Uh, I'm so happy to welcome you as well, whether you're joining us here in South Florida at Kendall Campus, shout out, Gables Campus, or across the nation, around the world through Church Online. I'd like to start together. Would you repeat after me? Let's give a big shout out. Say these words right after me. I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. And so I'm inviting his blessing upon you as today we do begin a new series, When You're Happy Ever After Isn't. Uh, you know, when the fairy tale that you imagined isn't turning out the way that you expected, uh, what then? Now, we've all had disappointment, we've all faced discontentment, and we've had other series to address those concerns. Today's topic, today's series, what do you do when the fairy tale turns toward nightmare and involves issues like addiction, divorce, unwanted pregnancy, same-sex attraction, gender identity? You know, what, what do you do? Where do you turn for help, hope, and healing when what you anticipated to be, have a, maybe a fairy tale happy, uh, but your happy ever after isn't? What then? Where do you turn? When you feel like you're bearing the stigma and shame of rejection or worse, what then? Our new series is When You're Happy Ever After Isn't. Would you say that together with me? When You're Happy Ever After Isn't. And we're going to be facing some tough topics around some very tender places in our hearts. Um, I've told our congregation from the beginning, there's substance abuse issues in my life, in my past. So this is not something I'm stranger to. There's same-sex attraction in my family. I've mentioned that before. I'm wondering about your family. You know, for your family, what is it, those issues that perhaps aren't so, they're not just cultural hot buttons out there. They're like personal realities right here. What do you do then? And uh, many of you have helped us. We sent a survey out. Um, through our emailing list and invited over 500 have responded so far. And we're going to show you what, and you'll see, these are not just issues out there. Throughout the series, we'll be showing what we said about that. Um, but they are concerns that touch people that we love, touch us in tender places right here. Um, and all the more reason that we open the conversation here. In Jesus' church, where uh, Jesus wants people to know that it's okay to not be okay. You know, that there's a place where, where people are, with problems are welcome and accepted. In fact, Jesus did that. You know, he did that. With people with problems felt welcome and accepted in his presence. And by the way, because he did, uh, he was given a label. Friend of sinners. Friend of of sinners. His enemies called him friend of sinners, and, and the label stuck, and, uh, and it spread around, and so lots of people that were dealing with shame and stigma in his time with some kind of issue that was beyond their ability to, to free themselves, they went to Jesus. Why? To find help, hope, and healing in bearing their stigma or finding freedom. And so what I would like to do, with Jesus as our model, I'm going to give us a couple of heads up right here on the front end um, to get us started. Uh, what does it mean for Christ followers 
to actually follow Jesus, friend of sinners. Um, and so the first thing that brings to mind is that sin is a reality. There is such a thing as sin. And Jesus taught that there is also such a thing as the unpardonable sin. A sin that is so treacherous that it can actually separate you from God forever beyond forgiveness. A sin that is so deceptive and so, um, so despicable that it actually places you by your own choice out of reach of the saving grace of God and the forgiveness that he has for you in salvation. But none of the issues that we're dealing with in the series are that sin. Did you know that? Racial Prejudice and injustice, drug addiction, substance abuse, divorce, adultery, unwanted pregnancy and abortion, sexual identity, gender confusion, all of these are troubling issues for sure. And they're tragic and costly and they are traumatic when they come to your family, okay? But, uh, but they're not unpardonable. They're scary, even terrifying, you know? It's, uh, and, and so they're, they're scary to talk about, so that's why we don't. Typically, we don't talk about them. We, uh, we avoid them. They're, tough, they're, they're also tough to recover from. One of them slices into your happy. They're, uh, they're tough to recover from, so they, they sometimes take us captive. They take us captive and even kill us. They hurt us and even kill us, us and the people that we love. So I need to tell you up front, this is a dangerous series. This is a dangerous series where the topics are scary to think about, they're scarier to talk about, and they're even scarier when somebody stands up and claims to be talking for God about them, right? And I'll tell you what I mean about that. When we first announced the series, more than one person has already come to me and said this, you know, um, so Bill, what are you going to be saying? And you know why, right? Because um, you're wondering too. <laughs> uh, how are you going to be, what are you going to be? And, and not only are they issues that are tough, but because they're also tender to us or to people that we love. And then I'm also thinking this. Most of us have some, uh, some nightmare story um, with a not-so-good outcome where somebody that was claiming to be speaking for God and was even quoting the Bible was doing it while this hurt was being inflicted. So... Um, I'm going to be quoting the Bible, and I would like for you to know why and how I'm doing it and to what end, because you know the Bible has been used to justify things Jesus never did, never supported. Female oppression, not Jesus. Racial bigotry, not Jesus. Human slavery, not Jesus. Um, religious persecution, in the name of God. Not Jesus. So the issues at hand, um, here's what we did find in Jesus' story. The devil also quotes the Bible. Did you know that? The devil quotes Scripture. And he was, when he quoted it at Jesus, he used it to mislead Jesus and misrepresent God and actually bring hurt to God. Now, Jesus is smarter than that, and we want to be smarter too. We don't want to use the Bible that way. We want to use the Bible the way Jesus does it. Jesus, friend of sinners, does it. So what does that look like for Christ followers 
to actually follow Jesus, friend of sinners, when it comes to tough issues. And so let me offer just a couple of heads up uh, perspectives as Jesus' example models for us. Here's the first one. Don't be afraid of the untouchables. Don't be afraid of the untouchables. In his ministry, Jesus befriended and even defended those that were considered social, morally compromised and socially tabooed in his culture. They were in conflict with personal sin. Um, but Jesus didn't tell jokes about them. Jesus didn't lower the boom on them. Jesus didn't uh, ridicule them or put them down. In fact, Jesus actually contended with those that were condescending upon others as if they had nothing to be forgiven of or if they didn't need forgiveness as much as somebody else did. Now, please, don't take my word for this, but read the Gospels for yourself. It won't take you that long, and you'll see how Jesus treated people. In, in one of these encounters, after it, Jesus came out saying this. You know, it's not the healthy I wonder if he did this, the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. And so I haven't come to call the righteous, but I've come to call the sick. Those who are aware of their personal need and are willing to receive the medicine. And so Jesus shared company with people who were considered moral untouchables in his day. And as a result, other people then labeled him. They, they called him names like glutton or indulgent drunkard or heretic, um, deceiver, sinner, sinner. None of those names were good for his reputation, by the way. But, but Jesus kind of earned them because he ate and drank with scandalized people in his day. This is uncomfortable for me. But I'm telling you what the story says. He ate and drank with scandalized people, compromised Samaritans, corrupted tax collectors, that were cheating people's money, uh, carnal women, caustic disciples. He was touching the diseased. He actually touched the demon-possessed. And as a result, people that were watching said, you're demon-possessed. You're deluded. John 6, John 9, John 10, you're a deceiver. That's what the self-righteous were calling him. But what was Jesus thinking? In his mind, here's what he was thinking. I've I've got the medicine, the doctor takes the medicine to the sick. So that's what Jesus models, and that's what we want to do. We follow Jesus, right? So we want to not be afraid of the untouchables, and then Jesus models, don't let the abuse of the Bible keep you from using it well. Uh, here in Miami, we've probably all heard some story about medical, medical malpractice and some quack doctor who's operating out of a garage and messing with people's lives. You know, so what do you do when you hear a story like that? Do you say, oh, I'm swearing off medicine altogether. That'll never happen to me. No, you don't. You, you, what do you do? You find the highest quality caregivers of repute. You don't say no medicine for me. You say, no, only quality medicine for me. Well, so likewise in Bible application. Don't let the bad apples keep you from the healthy fruit. Don't let the bad medicine keep you from the prescription that can heal. The Bible is like the prescription, which when applied well, can get you the medicine you need in Christ. And Jesus is the doctor, he said. Salvation is the medicine, and he wants to apply it to our sin-sick lives. You following me? See where I'm going with this? So in Luke's gospel, 
Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, Luke chapter 24, he's on the road to Emmaus and he's talking to some guys and the, the topic of the Bible comes up. So here's what he says. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. The message found meaning because of him. John chapter 5, verse 39, he tells the religious leaders, you know, you diligently study the scriptures, the people that were labeling him, because you think that by them you're possessing eternal life, because, but the scriptures are testifying about me. But you won't come to me. You're using the Bible for something else. And in Paul's letters, he tells us something similar about the Bible. He says the Bible was written to point us to Jesus Christ, 2 Timothy 3.15. You've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation. That means you've had the prescription, and it can get you well, salvation in the doctor, Jesus Christ. So according to Paul, the Bible points us to Dr. Jesus so that he can give us salvation. And then when you get to know Jesus, you discover, oh, wow, the doctor is the medicine. <laughs> it's not something separate from him, but he is the medicine. Colossians 3, or 2, 9, he says, in Christ, all the fullness of the deity, God himself is giving me all of himself in Jesus. John agrees, John 1, 14, the word became flesh, dwelt among us. That's why we celebrate Christmas. But look how Hebrews 1 says it. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us. How? By his, let's say the word together, son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. That's pretty impressive, right? But wait till you hear this. Look what comes next. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the what? Let's say these next two words together. Exact representation. Oh my goodness, wait a minute. The Son is the exact representation of his being. And here's what Jesus said to the men in the upper room, the, John 14, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. What's that mean? That means that if you want to know what God looks like, you want to know what God acts like, you want to know what God thinks, look at Jesus. See what, isn't that what it looks like to you? Look at Jesus. And then Jesus told us this. You know why I came? For the sick. God is fully present in me so that I can come so that those who know they're in need can find medicine. If you're wondering where we're going with the series, that's where we're going. And that's also how we handle the Bible. How are we going to use it in the Bible? The way Jesus did it. Hopefully we're going to use the Bible to help and heal in Jesus, not to do harm. We use the Bible for help and healing in Jesus, not to do harm. That's the way Jesus uses it. The other is the way the, the, the devil likes to use it. So do you believe, Bill, do you believe the Bible is the word of God? Absolutely I do. Just the way Jesus did and the way Paul did. But as Jesus also taught us, every scripture has a context. So if you want to understand its true authority and meaning, you have to get it in its context. And uh, I believe it just like Paul said. All scripture is God-breathed, but Jesus shows us that every verse has a context. So here are two basic guidelines that we use in understanding the Bible and in applying the verses. First, we take each verse in its context. 
It has a grammatical context, it has a historical and a cultural context, and it has a context in time, the timeline of revelation over time. So, in other words, the Bible is not a flat book. All its verses are inspired, yes, but some verses have more oxygen content in them than others. All of it is God-breathed, but some have more oxygen content of salvation in them than others. You know what I mean? That's why you probably know John 3.16, but you don't know Leviticus 3.16. Why is that? <laughs> You've been breathing life in from one of the verses. Or think of it this way. It's like money. All, all currency is money, but not all currency has the same value. All currency has value, but would you rather me give you a dime or a $100 bill? Oh, you don't, would rather me not give you anything, I guess. No, no, it's because, no, I, we know the answer to that question. And some verses, listen, have greater spending power than others, and other verses have been taken out of circulation, just like some money has. Doesn't spend anymore. So likewise, we seek to take each verse in its context. I was taught that a proof text without a context is many times a pretext. That's just a fancy word for lie. And usually when somebody's quoting the Bible as a pretext, it's to justify the prejudice of the user. That's the way the devil uses the Bible. He quotes it well. He knows it well. But he doesn't use it for the way God intended toward pointing us to Jesus. So then the question becomes, this is how we're going to use Scripture the way Jesus did. So then the question becomes, okay, how do I know which verse to give priority over other verses? You see, this is what part of Christian growth is about. You start learning that as you grow in knowledge. You add to your faith knowledge. But the answer to the question is this, Jesus. Jesus. We follow Jesus, and so we filter all Scripture through Jesus, the Word made flesh, right? Because Scripture isn't God, but Scripture is like a prescription that gets you access to the medicine that you will find in Jesus. Does that make sense? And so what we want to know is how to help us use the Bible. Why are we starting here? Because I want you to know how we do Bible groundwork at Christ's Journey. If you're already a part of our church or this is your very first day to be with us as a guest, and thank you, by the way, if that's you. We're so glad you're here. Pray that this will be a blessing upon you today. But you need to know this. We understand all Scripture. We build everything we do around here on Scripture. We try to do that, but we understand all Scripture through Jesus. We are a Christ journey church. We seek to follow Jesus, and especially when it comes to tough issues that touch us in tender places in our lives. We, uh, we let Jesus' words and Jesus' way model for us how we enter the conversation, especially around controversies. Make sense? Jesus had a way of turning controversy into conversation that then became an opportunity for people to find hope, help, and healing in him. So let me, let me step to the next level in the message today. What were Jesus' priority principles then? When it comes to interpret the Bible, what did Jesus say matters most? Well, the greatest commandment, actually. That's what comes first. This is like the greatest, right? So for Christ followers, what's the greatest commandment? Love. 
to love God holistically with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. That means as a growing Christ follower, I'm gonna be seeking God loves me first and I'm gonna love him back with all of my choosing, that's what a heart does, with all of my thinking, that's what my mind does, with all of my feeling, that's what my soul does, and then with all of my doing, that's what my strength does. So we respond to God's love by loving him back and growing in that love and then love your neighbor out of that love and love yourself. The greatest commandment, Jesus said. Now from that teaching, here's where I go. Everyone, no matter what their past, no matter what their issue, their shame, or their sin, will be loved in this church. That's where I'm going. And if you're wondering what's coming in the series, that's what's coming. We don't label anyone, instead we love everyone. Jesus said that's the greatest commandment, so we gotta start with Jesus on that one, right? And then, second, we follow the Great Commission, what's called the Great Commission. Um, this is Jesus' commission to share the good news of forgiveness with everyone in all creation. Go into all the world and don't leave anyone out, you know? And then in the book of Acts, he says this, bear witness to me, Jesus is central, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Now, that's not just geography. You know what he's talking about? Controversy. So if you're sitting here wondering, when are you going to get to one of the controversial areas, Bill? Come on, you know, I came for the show. What's happening here? Um, here it is. Here it is. To Jesus, Jewish disciples, when they heard him say, go to Samaria, in their view, in their mind, at that time, Samaria is full of moral failures. Samaria is full of social rejects, of people to Jesus' Jewish disciples. Samaria was full of despised, immoral people. And then, if you extend that to the rest of the world, guess what? Now, you're taking it to uncircumcised pagans. I'm wondering when they first heard this. I'm not sure they all got excited at once about it. Jesus is saying this, though. I want you to go show my love and share my gospel of forgiving grace with everybody everywhere and don't leave anybody out. And you know, Paul, the first missionary, kind of picked this up, too. Here's what he wrote in 1 Corinthians 15. What I received, I passed on as of first importance. So right there, Paul tells us in one of his letters that some teachings in the Bible are more important than others. Did you see that? And on the important list, there's something at the top of the list. Most important, right? So you think we should pay attention to that? So just as the greatest commandment is above all other commandments in the Scripture, all the other rules and all the other laws, that means regarding alcohol addiction, divorce and adultery, abortion and same-sex behavior, the teaching of the good news of Jesus forgiving grace, that he died for our sins, that he was buried and raised on the third day, and then was seen among many, that he appeared to Peter, that he appeared to the 12, that he appeared to 500 brothers at once, then to James, and then finally Paul says, then he came to me. And on that victory lap, that Jesus was taking, saying, got it done. Conquered sin, conquered death, now I'm passing the baton to you. He says this, be sure the good news of God's loving forgiveness gets to every person everywhere. Don't leave out the Samaritans or the uncircumcised pagans. 
So what I'm taking that to mean is this. Before we throw any stones at any sin around here, we take up his cross for every sinner around here because Jesus was a friend of sinners, and especially those we feel are outside our comfort zone. Here's where it gets uncomfortable. In the first century, they were Samaritans and pagans, uh, people who had broken every commandment of God and people who didn't know any of the commandments of God. Those were the two people groups that they were referring to. And yet, Jesus says, you know what? Every one of them is somebody that God loves and that I died for. So I don't know if it's fair for me to say that the Jewish disciples of Jesus were racist. I mean, I, truly, I don't know if that's true. But I do know this, that they were raised being taught that they were God's chosen people, that they were God's special race. Right? Am I right on this? And, uh, and we also know from the Gospels that they could be extremely prejudiced in their behavior. Like one day, James and John are coming out of a village in Samaria those people, who had just rejected Jesus. And so James and John, you know what they say to Jesus? Hey, Jesus, you want us to call down fire from heaven? This is Luke chapter 9, by the way. If you want to look it up, check me on it. Let's call fire down from heaven and just nuke the village. You know, who's going to miss? I mean, we're not, it's, the world isn't going to miss him if a few more of those people are dead. That's essentially what they're saying. And now here Jesus in his commission, tells those same disciples, James and John, guys, I want you to go in love to a world in need, a broken world that's full of broken commandments and broken lives, because as the Father sent me, listen to this, I'm sending you. <laughs> I mean, God, he's gathered his men around, and this is what he's saying, you gotta push through your fear in love, to follow me on this one. Enter the mess of humanity, get close enough to offer help, hope, and healing as Jesus, friend of sinners, did. You saw me do it, now I want you to go do it. Now that's where the series is going. So we're gonna seek to apply the same principles of Jesus that he used in teaching his disciples for us to use in facing the tough issues that touch us in tender places. And do you know who the Samaritans are in our world? Do you know who the uncircumcised pagans are in our world? The rejectables, those who have borne the scarlet letter in our history, the ones judged to be morally inferior, morally rejectable because of some scandal. Maybe you have been made to feel less than because of your race. That's the Samaritans, because of where you came from or because of your divorce, or your abortion, or your sexual attraction, or your addiction. The Samaritans were also outcasts because of moral inferior, inferiority associated with their ethnicity. Those people. And yet Jesus says, take my love and my good news of forgiveness into Samaria and into the pagan world. You know what he's telling his disciples? Guys, you want to follow me? You're going to have to push through your fear in love. And I can just give you a personal note here. As a recovering judgmental Pharisee, which I am, I'm telling you, I've got my self-righteous six-gun, 
locked and loaded and ready on the trigger to take out any sin of choice. And yet, I can tell you now, as a Christ follower, it's not enough to say, the Bible says. The Bible says. No, you know what, as a Christ follower, I gotta ask, how did Jesus do it? See, that's why I told you everything else I already told you, so that I could tell you that. Because for a Christ follower, what matters most in the greatest commandment and the greatest commission and how we interpret scripture from all the rules and all the commandments. You know what? We gotta ask, how did Jesus do it? So that's where I'm hoping to go with this. Jesus is Lord and our filter for interpreting all the writings of scripture must be Jesus. So the biggest question we can answer today before we jump in to more of those controversial issues is this. Are, are you a friend of sinners? Jesus was. Are you? Or not? Do you really believe that everybody is loved by God, that everybody's sins were included when Christ died on the cross? Do you really believe that everybody's life can change? Because that's what Jesus was inviting his guys into to say, you know what, I know how to turn controversy into conversation and I want you to join me in it so that conversation can lead people to the Savior full of grace and truth. And that's what John said Jesus is full of. You know, other people were saying he's full of deception. John says, no, he's full of grace and truth, redeeming grace and liberating truth. And as we follow Christ, those are the tensions that are at work in us as his people, as his church. Christianity, what this means is Christianity is not a set of rules so that you can be approved in the morality club that we call his church and then polish our halos when we all get together. My, isn't your halo shiny today? No. It's a hospital for sinners. It's not do this, don't do that, so that you can earn God's approval. No. We receive God's grace as a gift from Christ and invited into a relationship with the living God through Christ and the action of the Holy Spirit that starts transforming our lives. And then it's not transactional, it's transformational, and we start living and learning as we love one another in the midst of the mess where we find ourselves. The tensions at work are grace and truth. How does that work? Well, here's how I understand it. Think of a guitar string. A guitar string is held in tension by two opposing points of view, right? On each end, they look like they are opposites. But because those opposites exist, the string is held in tension from which music can be made. I think John is trying to say, here's where Jesus is in this equation, you know. God's grace, some, someone said, truth without grace is judgment. Grace without truth is license. And listen, both of those are dead-end traps. And that's why John says, you know what Jesus says? You want to follow Jesus? Then join this amazing journey full of grace and truth in the same space and let it start rising in you. So that's what we want to do. Each week we're going to enter a controversial conversation looking to see through the eyes of Jesus, looking to extend the hands of Jesus looking to share the liberating words of Jesus. And then also, do it in such a way as Jesus did, which could offend people regularly. So, um, giving you a heads up on that one. But Jesus, who is our way, is full of grace and truth and is inviting us into the journey. So, what are the takeaways today? 
For you as a Christ follower, as a deepening disciple, what are your takeaways today? Well, I would say this. I mean, um, consider these. Jesus was a friend of sinners. So which are you? Are you the friend or are you the sinner? Or can you be both? (laughs) Can you grow to be all of them? Then maybe that's where God wants to lead you. And whatever your answer is and where his answer would take you. Let me ask you this. Do you know someone? Are you close enough to someone that they would let you share their nightmare? That they would trust you enough, that they find you safe and caring enough, that they would let you into their nightmare story. You know, they thought their fairy tale was going this way, and bam, oh, something sliced right into their happy, and it's not. But Does anybody in your life, Samaritan, uncircumcised, pagan, are you close enough to them that that you could share love in the way Jesus would? Or is this this your question today? Hey, man, you know, I'm afraid of this. I may be thinking about visiting some other church for a while because, you know, you're going to be pushing through fear over here, and I'm not comfortable doing that. I would challenge you, be here. If you're feeling fear in this entire, that may be exactly where God is saying, I want to show you how my love can push through fear. Come out on the other side with hope, healing, and help for you and for someone else. Or maybe right now, you're thinking, oh yeah, I got Bible verses going through my head. Maybe you know Bible verses about abortion, about same sex, about LGBT, about divorce, about adultery. You got the Bible verses about alcoholism and drug abuse? You got them? I do. Okay, let me ask you. Maybe this is where Jesus wants to say, can I show you how those can be filtered through me? And so wherever you got them in the currency of Scripture, would you let Jesus be the filter? Maybe that's the step of growth that he would invite you into. Or maybe how about this one? Nobody else knows, but you do. You're in a nightmare now. Would you be willing to let Jesus, the friend of sinners, who will not reject you, who loves you, who accepts you, and then invites you to find forgiveness by turning to him and allowing the healing to start? You pray with me. Lord, thank you that you meet us right where we are, that Nobody is an untouchable to you. And that your love is such that it just pushes right through fear and gets right to the heart. And I'm praying for somebody right now who knows this talk had their name on it at some point. So Lord, would you meet them there and help them take the next step? Is that you? Would you say, Lord, show me. I really want to follow you. I want to grow. I'm hungry for your love to shine into this dark place for me and then help me be a help to others as I learn how to follow you. And I also make a prayer for Pastor Bill. Boy, he needs help. So Lord, guide him so that he can guide us and together we can make this journey. Now friend, perhaps for you today, this is the day you're personal relationship with God begins. You'd like to know how? It can begin with a simple prayer as this. 
Lord Jesus, I believe you love me. I'm so glad you're a friend of sinners. And I'm so thankful that my failures don't keep you away. So I'm opening my life to you. And I invite you to forgive my sins. Thank you for dying for me. And I invite your spirit to come alive in me. And then help me as I grow in your love toward the me that can live with you happily ever after. Now our heads are still bowed. If you prayed that prayer with me and would let me ask God's blessing upon your next steps of faith, then I'm gonna invite you just to raise your hand right where you're seated, just hold it up long enough for me to have a moment to look. And at Kendall Campus, our pastor's looking and praying now. Online, there's an orange banner, you can click that and our pastor's praying for you now. And then right here at Gables, God bless you. Thank you, sir. Here in the middle, toward the front and the center, toward the back on my left, God bless you. Amen. To my right, down here toward the front, amen. God bless you. Lord, for every hand that's been raised, the ones that I've seen, the ones that I haven't, but are signifying a heart that's open for you, we pray that they would sense your spirit's presence even now. The wash and fresh cleansing of your forgiveness and the joy rising up for the journey ahead as we make our prayer in your name, amen.